The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right. Well, we've been we've been studying for several months now, actually, on on a, a, lesson, a series of lessons entitled The Marks of Success. And certainly, uh, we don't seek to compare ourselves among ourselves and rate ourselves by what we think of ourselves. Um, but the Bible does admonish us to follow good examples. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17, Paul wrote, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an ensample. So we do, we do see that from scripture we're admonished to follow the godly examples that are given to us. And there are certain characteristics that we find in the men in scriptures who were a success. And, and we are to study their lives and we are to uh, look at their examples. And of course our, our prime example is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We all realize that. But we are, we, we are wise when we follow the example of men like Peter, James, and John, and Paul, and all the disciples and apostles. Um, they, they lead us in a positive direction. They show us the way to, to obey the Lord. And so we, we follow these examples. Um, but I'd like you to take your Bibles with me now and turn to Romans chapter 12. <laughs> Romans chapter 12. And uh, let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you for this time around your word. I pray that you would... Bless the teaching of your word. Help me only today to say those things that edify and build up and use all that will be said to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Romans chapter 12, Paul writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Thus far in, in our study here, we've defined a disciple. We said two things about a disciple. Anybody remember what one of them was? A disciple is a what? A learner. That's right. A disciple is a learner. Now, being a disciple is not unique just to the scriptures. Um, we, throughout history, men have, are disciples of teachers. And so, but, but as a disciple of Christ, we are a learner of, about the, the word of God and about Christ. And I said a second thing about a disciple. He is a what? Anybody remember? A follower. That's right. He is a learner, but more than that, uh, he's a follower. Remember scripture told us, uh, to be doers of the word, right? And not hearers only. It's one thing to go to church and sit there and, and listen to the teaching. But it's another thing completely, entirely different to leave the church and go do what you've been taught. And that's what we're to do. We're, as a disciple, we're to learn, and then we're to go out and do that which we've learned. We're to be a follower. Um, I said that a disciple bears three marks. One is that he bears the mark of salvation. Uh, you can't be a disciple of Christ if you're not a child of his. If you're not saved, you can't be a disciple. A disciple bears the mark of service. A disciple is not someone that just... Uh, again, doesn't just come and, and hear and not serve, not do. <laughs> a disciple it has a, bears a mark of service. And then 
Thirdly, I said a disciple bears the mark of sanctification. He, he separates his life unto use by God alone. And he gives God the preeminence in his life and uses his life to serve the Lord. Um, then we, we defined uh, the duties of a disciple. First, we, we said we must present our bodies to the Lord. And uh, <clears throat> we're to present it as a sacrifice. It's to be holy and it's to be acceptable. So our life is to be pure of, of defilement. It's to be pure of corruption. And it is to be acceptable unto God. So we don't go around telling God what we're going to do. We come to the Lord as the Apostle Paul did and said, what will thou have me to do? So we're to, we're to, we're to uh, present our bodies to the Lord. Secondly, we said we must resist being conformed to this world. We talked about this the last time we, we met together. And I defined that as three things. Uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is conformity to the world. By the way, do you know that those are the three tactics Jesus used when he tempted Jesus? The same three tactics. He said he knew the Lord was hungry. He had fasted for 40 days. He said, here's stones, turn them into bread. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Here's all the world. I'll give it all to you if you, if you bow down to me. And the pride of life. Cast yourself off this temple. You're God. Nothing bad is going to happen to you. And these are the three things Satan used to tempt Jesus. And by the way, they're the same three things he uses on us. And he succeeds with us because we're not God. And we're imperfect. But um, these are the tactics the devil uses. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And these things are in the world. And when we blend into the world as a Christian and we conform to the world, then we are attacked by these tactics. Uh, we are to stand separate. We are to come out from among them, Jesus said. Touch not the unclean thing. And he will receive us and he will be our fathers. So <coughs> we must not be conformed to this world. And then I ran out of time, but thirdly, uh, we are to be transformed. Number three on your study sheets, we are to be transformed. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, uh, he says, and, and uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So now when we talk about being transformed, we talk about being altered or changed. And uh, uh, I'm not talking about Optimus Prime and the Transformers here, okay? But we are transformed in our minds. In other words, we don't conform to the world, but we are transformed into the image of Christ by the way we think. In our minds, we have to develop different attitudes. Attitude is everything. And as a Christian, we have to have an attitude of holiness. We have to understand and realize that we are a child of God and we are not to conform to this world. We will, now we'll conform to this world unless we change our thinking. Uh, we need to change our thinking, for instance, in priorities. Uh, too many people wake up on Sunday morning and decide whether they're going to go to church or not. Too many Christians do that. Fact of the matter is, Sunday's the Lord's day, is it not? We're celebrating Easter today, but in truth, for the child of God, every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord every week. And so we're to change our, we're to have a different thought. Sunday is not for anything other than worshiping God. It's a day we set apart to worship him, to honor him, and to, to 
surrender our lives to him. We have to change our thinking. We have to change our thinking in our conduct, in our behavior. Uh, you know, the Bible says <coughs> to abstain from all appearance of evil, does it not? It doesn't just say abstain from evil. It says to abstain even from the appearance of evil. Pardon me. Um, I don't think Christians, for instance, ought to go to casinos. You might say, well, they got a four-star restaurant there. I'm going to go eat there. And I'm not going to do anything else but eat there. That's the appearance of evil, is it not? Suppose some young Christian sees you coming out of that casino. They don't know that you weren't in there gambling. You represent, you present yourself to them as someone who went in there. Uh, over the years, you know, that we had, we had some people talk to me about going to, with them to, uh, watch football games and get ribs and wings. But I refused to do that because to do that, you had to sit in the bar section and you had to sit in the sports bar to partake of those things. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily, uh, sinful in the scripture, but it's the appearance of evil, is it not? Suppose I come walking out of that sports bar section. I, I hadn't had anything but pure water to drink, but some young Christian who knows me sees me over there and sees me coming out of that bar section. That's the appearance of evil. Now, that, this kind of preaching is not very popular. It steps on a lot of toes, but I'm not here. I'm not here to fluff anyone's feathers. I'm here to honor the Lord God in my preaching. That's what's wrong with America today. There isn't enough, there isn't enough preaching against what's wrong. You want to placate Christians who, who, uh, who uh, present themselves in evil places. It's not the way we're supposed to be. If you want to do that, go ahead, but don't claim to be a disciple of Christ. Don't claim to be his dis- disciplined ones. Uh, years ago, they opened hooters in town. Oh, I thought to myself, Lord, help us. I can go get hot wings anywhere else. I don't need to go to Hooters to get hot wings. And, and you know what? You go in there, and maybe you won't do anything other than just get a few hot wings and leave. Isn't, it, isn't that the appearance of evil? We, are you going to tell me we, we honor the name of our Savior by, by participating in things like that? I don't think we do. We're to... We're to Change our thinking. Now, look, I'm not standing up here saying I'm the holiest man that ever walked on the earth. Believe me, before I got saved, you wouldn't have liked me. You wouldn't have liked me much at all. And before I got saved, I didn't care how much evil I appeared. But, you know, when I got saved, I realized that I needed to honor my Lord and my life needed to stand for something. It needed to mean something. And that's not even in my notes. So let's get back on my notes. But we're to be transformed. You know, you know to a lot of Christians, the attitude, I'm, the, the philosophies I'm preaching right now, the things I'm teaching right now, don't make any sense. Matter of fact, they'd probably say you're some kind of lunatic to a lot of Christians. Because you say they're not transformed in their mind. Their minds are corrupt. And their minds are fixed on the things of this world. And they're conforming to the world and not transformed in their minds. If you want to know how we're to, 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 to conduct ourselves, we're to conduct ourselves in holiness and righteousness. By the way, if, if you're raising children, if you're raising children, you better be careful what, they, what you let them see you doing. 
Because, you know, by default, every generation is a little worse than the one before it. And if we, we can hasten the process by our careless behaviors. So we need to be careful about that. So uh, we're to be transformed. Uh, but the next, why are we to perform this duty? Uh, well, Paul tells us in Scripture, he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So why is it so important that as, as God's children that we live these disciplined lives that we're talking about? Why is it so important for us to, uh, to be careful where we go, to be careful what we do, to be careful what we say? Well, because um, I'm going to give you some thoughts on that. Number, first of all, letter A on your sheets, it is expected of a disciple. Being transformed and being careful and walking circumspectly and all these things that Paul talked about in scriptures, it's important that we do that because it's expected of a disciple. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, we, Paul said, I beseech you by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Since all things are of God and by him and to him, then we ought to present our bodies to him. And since we have nothing but what we have received from him, we ought not to think too highly of our glory in our attainments. Look with me at Colossians chapter 1. Let's all, let's all turn to Colossians chapter 1. <laughs> and uh, let's go to verse number 15. We're reading here about the preeminence of Christ. We read in verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him, all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Did you see that, what Paul said? He said, for by him were all things created. And he says, and all things belong to him. That includes you and me. I belong to Christ. I was purchased with the price of his blood. My life is not my own. He has, he has expectations. Our, our new world philosophies in Christianity is, is, would imply that God doesn't really have expectations on you. He just wants you to do the best you can. How many of you believe that? That's not, that's not God's philosophies. He says, be ye holy as I am holy. He says, come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. Let me tell you, God has expectations on us today. He has certain things he expects from you and he expects from me. And throughout the Bible, we see this principle. We see the obligation or the requirement, if you will, of the believer, the disciple. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, in verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards 
that a man be found faithful. You notice Paul didn't say it's, it's, it's a recommended that a steward be faithful. He didn't say God kind of hopes that as a steward you're going to be faithful. What does it say? It says required. It is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. God expects you to be faithful to him. He expects you to be obedient to him. He expects you to, to walk in righteousness and truth. It's an expectation. In Luke chapter 12, verses 47 and verse 48, we read, And that servant which knew uh, his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whosoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Listen, the more knowledge that a man has, the more that's expected from him. And the greater his gifts, the more useful he ought to be. And the more diligent in the use of them unto the Lord. How many of you have raised or are raising children? Raise your hand. Do you have expectations of those children? Do you have rules around the house you expect them to adhere to? Of course we do. We understand this principle in raising our children. Now, my daddy was a very strict man, a disciplinarian, uh, very strict. And he had, he had expectations of my brother and myself and my sisters. We had to behave. He expected us to behave in a certain way. He expected us to obey him, whether he was present or not. Uh, we didn't, we, my, my sisters and my brother and I, we didn't go away from home and do things that we shouldn't have done because the price was too great. And we always got caught. I wanted to go play baseball at a friend's house one day. And my dad wouldn't let me often, wouldn't often let me go to a friend's house because he knew that I, he knew that most of the kids I grew up with weren't the kind of people I should be hanging around with, first of all. And he knew that I would be tempted to do things I shouldn't do. But one day he said, okay, you can go. You can go play baseball, but do not leave the yard. Do not leave their yard until I come to pick you up. And he was only going to be gone for like an hour or so. So I went over to my friend's house, and we were playing baseball. And one of the guys hit the ball, and it went across the street, across the road, into the field across the way. And everybody's there, go get the ball. Go get the ball. And when I got to the edge of that road, I, I could hear Dad, don't leave the yard. <laughs> but I figured, you know what? It's, I'm just going to get the ball. Not a big deal. So I ran across the street, jumped the ditch, ran into the field, grabbed the ball, come running back, jumped the ditch again, and looked, and there's Dad. <laughs> He's sitting right there in the truck, just looked at me. All he did was this. I threw the ball and said, see you later, guys. And I did mean later, too. Got in the truck. We went home. That was the last time he let me go somewhere because he told me, he said, you, you were told not to leave the yard. And you left the yard. But you say, well, your daddy sounded like he was a mean man. No, my daddy was trying to teach me principles. My daddy was trying to teach me that obedience is the main thing. And, and he, was, he was tough on me. But, you know, when I, when I became a young man, I appreciated every hard lesson my daddy taught me because I knew he, he had my best interest in heart. He loved me. 
He, he, he did what he did to me out of love, not hatred, but love. And you know, God has expectations on us. And he's not, he's not telling us not to do certain things because he hates us or because he's angry at us, but because he loves us. And he desires that, that we would be, be happy and, and that we would have, do his will in our lives. He did it out of love. In Hebrews chapter 12, Paul writes, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, he writes, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? If a father loves his son, will he not punish him when he deserves it? You see, the world has a philosophy that would tell us, don't discipline your children. Well, I'm going to tell you something. According to God's word, if you don't discipline your children, you don't really love them. Because you're willing to allow them to grow up to be whatever they want to be, whatever, whatever comes their way. Uh, David, you know, the Bible says David never troubled his sons. How many of David's sons turned out well? Even Saul had his faults, didn't he? Eli, the Bible says, Eli never troubled his children. And God killed them because they offered strange fire unto God. You see, if you love your children, you discipline them. And that's important. Because God loves us, and that's why, that's why God won't allow us as his children to just go off and do what we want without some chastening, without troubles coming into our life, without, without God removing his blessing off of us. And we face all these trials that we face because we are foolish children. But not only does he do it out of love, but he does it so that we will learn to honor him. In Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24, we read, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. You know, I've grown up. I'm, I'm, I'm a, an adult now. I'm 57 years old. But through my whole life, I've, I've tried to never shame my family name. I've tried to never be the kind of person that that people would look at and think ill of. I've tried to, to live my life with integrity. Now, I'm not, I'm, I haven't succeeded all the time. But I've tried to live my life. I tried to honor my father's name. I, I tried to make sure that when people look at me, they say, well, your daddy was a, must have been a pretty good guy. Because I love my father. And I want to honor him. What about our heavenly father? Doesn't he deserve to be honored by us? Doesn't he deserve that we would conduct ourselves among, in this world and among this world in a way that honors him and that brings honor and glory to his name? But also, uh, my father disciplined me because he wanted to instruct me. Proverbs chapter 22, we read, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. My daddy wasn't 
My daddy wasn't this, one of these men that would sit you down and reason with you. He wasn't that way at all. Daddy didn't, my daddy didn't say, you stop that or I'm going to come over there and spank your bottom. Daddy would warn you once, stop it. Next thing you felt was his hand on your backside. He didn't tell you he's coming. He announced he's there. Uh, you know, we need to teach our children. Uh, I was at the airport one day. I was going to pick up my wife. She was coming home from visiting her family, and there was a lady there with her little boy. And um, he might have been three years old. And she was setting him there, and she was saying, Now, honey, when we get in the plane, you have to be really quiet, okay? You can't make noise, and you can't run up and down the aisles. And I thought to myself, wow. That's, that's ridiculous. Daddy would have said, sit down, shut up. Get up, I'll spank you. And I knew he meant business. I knew it. See, we don't have discipline in our world anymore. We've raised a generation of young people that walk into school with a knife and stab everybody they can. Happened just recently. We got, we got a generation of young people who, who walk into school with a gun, just shoot anybody they want to shoot randomly. We've raised a generation of young people that know not the Lord and do not fear God. There's no more discipline. And it, does that, let me ask you, does that honor God? It dishonors the Lord. And it angers him at the same time. We've betrayed, we've betrayed our young people in this country because we've stepped away from biblical principles. And we've replaced them with human, human philosophies. So we're to, we're to um, present our bodies to Christ because it's expected of us. God, God saved us so that we might serve him, so that we might worship him and honor him. It's expected that we will live disciplined lives. That we will conduct ourselves as God's children should conduct themselves. So we present our bodies to the Lord first because we're expected to do so by merit of the grace we've received from him. But then secondly, because it is reasonable. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, Paul wrote, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable Service. Now, this word reasonable is the Greek word logikos. So what English word do you think we get from logikos? Logical. That's correct. It is the word which we get our English word logical. So when Paul says it, it is our reasonable service, he is in fact telling us that it is logical for a believer to offer God a holy and acceptable life as our sacrifice to him. Now, it is reasonable service. In other words, it is agreeable. It's, it's something that is agreeable to the Lord when we, when we yield ourselves and give ourselves to him a living sacrifice. It is that which fulfills God's desires and his designs for us. So Paul says it's logical that God's children will honor him and will conduct themselves in such a way that they do not shame him. Paul says it's logical that God's children will keep themselves undefiled 
that God's children won't look at, won't, won't look at pornography, that God's children won't, won't involve themselves in, in things which scripture denotes as being, uh, foolish or, or sinful. It's logical to assume that as God's child, I will, I will walk worthy of my father's name. That I will do the things that bring honor and glory to him. It's logical that I would, that God would expect that for me as his child to, to come out of the world and, and not to love the world and not to, not to befriend the world, but to love and, and walk in his presence every day and to teach my children to do the same. That's logical for the child of God. It's illogical for God's children to live as the world lives. For all the things that are in the world are not of God and they will be destroyed. And, and, and we will stand before Christ one day and we will suffer great loss because we invested our lives in foolishness. We invested our lives in wood, hay and stubble rather than in silver and gold and precious jewels. Now, there are two things we must do if we will be able to offer God this reasonable service. First thing is that we must separate from the world. You can't befriend the world and, and, and live a life that honors God. You can't do it. It's like oil and water. You can shake them up and maybe, maybe make them occupy equal space for a while, but sooner or later it's going to come apart. And for God's children, we are to be separate from the world. Second Corinthians chapter 6, in verses 14 through 18, Paul writes, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord or agreement hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you and will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. We're to come out, we're, we're to separate from the world. You cannot change this world. From within. We can only change the world by separating and, and living the examples that Christ desires us to live. If you take someone who has an infectious disease and put them in a room with someone who does not have an infectious disease, do you think the non-infected person will heal the infected person by his presence? What's going to happen? They're both going to be infected. And that's what happens when God's children try to mix with the world. You're not going to, you're not going to bring the world out. They're going to suck you in. You're going to begin to compromise your principles. You're going to begin to lose your, your, your disciplines. And they are going to affect you. You are not going to affect them by, by dwelling within Christ. God said, come out. Come out from among them. Only then can you stand apart and show the world what righteousness is. You can't do it by trying to mix with the world. So first we must be separate from the world. But then secondly, 
we must be sanctified <coughs> unto God. Second Timothy chapter two, Paul writes, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. We're to be sanctified. We're to be pure in our heart and minds. We're, we're to, we're to uh, invest our, 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 our energies and efforts in the things of God. And then we'll become a vessel of honor unto God. That's what I want to, I want to be a vessel of honor. I want to be a vessel that God can use. Hey, Lou put me a glass of water over here today. And I appreciate it because my throat is so dry. Ah, it's refreshing. Sorry, you can all get some in a moment. But what, do you think I'd want to use this glass if it was all full of mold and green stuff inside? And there were little, there were little things floating in there. I could see something moving. Do you think I'd want to drink out of that glass? Would you want to drink out of that glass? No. So do you think that God is pleased when our life is filthy? When our life is corrupt? The Lord, the Lord isn't pleased with that. And we need to make sure that we sanctify our minds and our hearts to God. Too much carelessness in this world. That's just too much. Too much. And I'm not talking about people who are bad people. They're just careless people. They, they don't associate and distinct between what's right and what's wrong. And they foolishly believe. They foolishly believe that they can, they can in, involve themselves in things like that and, and it won't affect them. It will affect them. It may take a long time, but it will affect them. And one day they'll stand up and wake up and find that their heart is far from God. And that they're closer to the world than they are to the Lord. So we're to be sanctified unto God. Set apart unto a specific use. But then thirdly, our next this morning, we see that by offering our bodies uh, to the Lord, it confirms our calling. It confirms our calling. I have just a moment or two here. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, what exactly do we mean when we talk about the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Does that mean that there's three options for us? That God has a good will and then he has an acceptable will and he has a perfect will? Uh, those three are separate? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Um, this will spoken of by Paul here is the revealed will of God. It is the will of God as defined in the scripture as a picture of Christ, which contains that which is good. God's will for us is always good. And then when, the, when, when done in faith, 
from a principle of love and to the glory of God, it is acceptable through Christ. God's will is always good, and God's will is always acceptable. That word acceptable uh, could be better translated agreeable. When we present our bodies unto Christ, a living sacrifice, and when we, when, we, when we stay separate from the world and we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, we begin to, to live the will of God, and the will of God is always good for us. It's always, it's always the best for us, and the will of God is always acceptable. It's always agreeable. And is perfect as the law of liberty revealed through the work of the Holy Spirit to the heart of the believer, making him perfect and mature in Christ. God's will for us is always without flaws. From this, we see and know that the only way we will find and fulfill the will of God is by this living sacrifice. It is by paying the price to be a disciple of Christ. Oh, yes, we all have a duty today. It is expected of us. It is to present our bodies a living sacrifice unto God, a holy sacrifice, an acceptable sacrifice. And in doing so, we will find the will of God for our lives. And we will see that this will is good, acceptable, and perfect. It is uncorrupted by the world and its philosophies. It is pure in its purpose. And folks, I, I apologize if I've offended anyone this morning by maybe some things I said. But I cannot but preach the counsel of God. And what's wrong with our country today is there's not enough men standing up behind pulpits saying, thus saith the Lord. There's too many preachers in this country trying to, trying to pacify uh, Christians with their worldly lifestyles because they don't want to lose them out of their crowd. They don't want to lose their tithe. They'd rather, they'd rather preach smooth things than say, thus saith the Lord. But here at Berean, we don't do that. And we won't do that. So praise the Lord for truth. And by the way, if the truth of God offends you, then get right with God. Amen? All right, folks, we're dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275. Or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.